10 days into the new year, 2020. Are you happy? How's the year been for you so far? How was last year? Today, we're going to continue our mini series talking about what's real happiness. And it's a very, very important topic today, especially with everything going on in the world. And really, there's a lot of people out there that are reporting they're just not as happy. And no matter how many more things you buy for yourself or achievements you make or struggles you face, sometimes it's hard to grab that elusive emotion, that elusive state. So let's continue our mini series on what's real happiness. This week, I'm jumping into personal responsibility is everything. Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning. Hey, this episode is brought to you by my very own NLP practitioner course. I've been teaching neuro-linguistic programming, or NLP, for nearly 15 years. It is the most powerful tool for communication on the planet, and it can be yours today. For a very limited time, I'm giving away my entire NLP course workbook for free. Go to nlpwithmatt.com. All the patterns, all the tools, and the techniques of NLP in the complete course workbook, the same one that we use to teach our live certification classes, yours free. NLPwithmatt.com. Get it today. Let's get back to the show. All right. Well, here we go. Welcome back to the show. It's Matt Browning, the Driven Entrepreneur. And we are in the middle of our mini series. As I said, we're doing a six part mini series called What's Real Happiness. Remember, make sure you go back and find our on demand radio show, on demand podcast, wherever you find podcasts, you can find it on Stitcher, iHeart. Uh, what are the other ones? Uh, iTunes, that's a pretty big one. <laughs> um, Spotify, Google Play, all the places. Um, and if you go back and you get the last four, if you've missed, if you're coming in fresh, make sure you listen to at least maybe the first one. It was called Happiness and Joy versus Purpose and Meaning, which is really what this whole thing is all about. Not trying to chase an elusive uh, emotion, but rather we're talking about how to go after something that's a deep happiness where you find purpose and meaning in life. The second episode we did where goals are critical. The third one, and I know, look, if you've already been listening to this and you're on the fifth one and you're like, Matt, get to it, just fast forward a couple 30 seconds and you will be there. Um, number two is goals are critical. And we talked about how important it is to have goals. Go back and listen to episode two out of six a few weeks back. Number three was you have a chance. And we talked about really the, the animalistic survival instinct and how humans and animals all need to feel as if we have a chance. So when the cards are stacked against you and you're the underdog and you see no way out, that is a recipe for depression or worse. As long as there's a sliver of hope, as long as there's something we can grab hold of, we can pull ourselves up and start moving forward. And you can even be happy without having achieved yet. And last week, of course, we talked about the power of limits and why limits are so important. Uh, I talked about how playing a video game with no rules, with all the cheat codes on is the most boring thing in the world because it's just too easy. So limits are actually there to serve us, believe it or not, in our psyche, and they can lead to more happiness. This week, let's talk about personal responsibility and jump right in. 
There's three things I want to share with you about personal responsibility. Um, I love doing these teaching weeks. Um, I, I told you if you if you've been listening for a, a while with me, or at least the last few weeks here or months, um, I've switched around the schedule a few times. So I just want to tell you guys what's coming up for 2020. You know, I've done a lot of soul searching, um, a lot of uh, budgeting with my time, which is kind of a funny word to use. Usually, it's with money. But I've been looking at time and and how this podcast has been growing, um, you know, who it's affecting. Certainly, you know, I, I'm so grateful for the, every single one of you who's listening to this and getting something out of it. Um, many people have messaged me or sent an email. You can go to Matt Browning on social media, follow me on Instagram or Facebook and let me know, you know, what's going on. And I get these messages and some people say how much they love the interviews with these incredible entrepreneurs. So starting, of course, in the new year, I took a hiatus and a break from interviewing for a couple months to hang out with the family and do the holidays. Uh, but we are starting to get some interviews back in and ready to go. So starting next week, we'll be back to interview Fridays. I have landed on a shift and I, you know, I know we went back to two episodes a week for a while, as you can imagine. Uh, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of fun. I'm grateful to do that. But the time has come uh, again to make that subtle shift and going into the new year for the duration uh, and and, unless things shift or change otherwise, we're mostly going to be looking at doing back to one episode per week, just like it used to be uh, back in the day, uh, which of course was a Wednesday, according to Dane Cook back in the day. Uh, Well, at least that was last year and and 2018. So we're going to go back to looking at one amazing entrepreneur origin story interview every single Friday, and that's going to start next week. So today is episode five. I'm teaching next Tuesday will be episode six of six. We'll complete our mini series. And that next Friday, we'll drop an awesome interview episode. And you can continue counting on a new interview every single Friday. Uh, I know there's a lot of podcasts out there, and I'm grateful you choose this one. Let's get back to real happiness. So there's three principles. Number one, cause and effect. And you know, I, I teach this at our live neuro-linguistic programming NLP seminars. Uh, I've been teaching this concept for, gosh, almost 15 years now. And it's a pretty simple concept, but it's one that can elude you if you're, if you're not careful. So the idea is everything in life has a cause and has an effect. If uh, you bump into me and I'm holding a pen, the cause was maybe you bumping into me. The effect was I dropped the pen. So what does it matter if you bump into me and I drop a pen? Well, where it really comes into with life and, and also happiness is where do I place the cause? See, in my, in my life, maybe the result I'm not happy with, the effect is that I drop my pen. And I know it's only a pen. But what if the effect was um, I didn't have enough money in the bank? Or, you know, that my bank account got drained or my health turned poor or my spouse left me or any number of things happens, right? Or I'm miserable and not happy today. That's the effect. The question we always need to ask ourselves is what was the cause? We have two choices for cause. Follow me on this. You can either put the cause outside of yourself, like my friend who bumped into me and basically caused me to drop the pen. If the money's low in the bank account, I could put the cause outside of my awareness, my responsibility. So what could I put the cause on? Well, if it's outside of me, I could say, hey, it's the economy. The economy is dropping and that's what's causing me to make less money. I could say the money's down in the bank account because I had this uh, partner who wasn't pulling their fair share and it's their fault. 
Now, a lot of times, you know, I grew up in California, and certainly California is uh, what we call a fault state. It's a highly litigious state, and everybody's looking for blame, right? Playing the blame game is the fastest way to lead to resentment, depression, or worse, depending on how bad your situation is. See, if the reason why my lifestyle sucks is because that jerk of an ex did this and that, and the, the thing is, it's true that the person may have done the thing they did. It's true the person bumped into me. It's true the jerk of an ex acted a certain way. It's true the economy went down, so forth and so on. But we have to answer this subconscious and really critical question is, what, where was the actual cause? And the truth is most situations are more complex than we make it seem. You know, we want to, especially you go on Twitter and it's like, this thing happened, blame him. And it's his fault and fire him. And that's like, that is the culture of, I mean, it's not that different than, you know, a, quite a few hundred years ago in a little town called Salem, when they were putting people on trial with no evidence. And it was a public hearing where the masses basically voted with their torches and pitchforks. It's almost like, are you noticing that? It's like the, the world is becoming a little more like that. And to me, it's not that uh, someone who's done something bad should go unpunished or should go without a trial or, or, or get away with it or anything like that. But the opposite is also just as true that we, we can't bring ourselves into uh, a pitchfork society mentality. So that's where the blame game gets us. That's my point of that tangent. The more we start blaming and putting cause outside of our control. It's his fault. It's her fault. It's the economy's fault. It's the weather's fault. I, my picnic got ruined. It's the weather's fault. It rained on my picnic. Well, isn't it true that there's also perhaps an equal or even greater cause you could find when you look inside? Now, I'm not saying all these terrible things are your fault, but what if you could find some responsibility for taking a part in those things? So I just gave you a quick off the cuff metaphor of a picnic and you can blame the weather and say, it's the weather's fault that my picnic got rained out. But isn't it true? You could also say, yeah, but who didn't check the weather report? Oh, that was me. Who didn't pack umbrellas as a precaution? Cause you never know, right? Just in case. Oh, maybe that was me. Who chose a venue that didn't have a backup option because you know, sometimes again, things change. Oh, that was me too. So is it true that the weather, you know, rained? Certainly. But what happens is if you, what if you put 100% of your cause, 100% of the responsibility for the rained out picnic, and you put that on the weather? The question I have for you is how much ability do you have to respond and change it and get the outcomes you want? Like the next time you plan a picnic, if it's 100% the weather and you can't do a thing about it, then you just basically cross your fingers and you hope that it's going to be okay. And then you might get rained out again and you might get rained out again and again and not get the result you want. If I'm get to go back to my early metaphor, when we first started, if I'm carrying around a pen and the person bumps into me and every time someone bumps into me, I drop my pen and I go, man, I really don't want to keep dropping this pen. It's a nice pen. I really want to keep this in my pocket. Could I blame the person? Certainly. I can say, Hey, this jerk bumped into me, but what else is true? What else is true that caused the pen to drop that was inside my control or my responsibility, ability to respond? Well, could I have perhaps held the pen a little tighter? That's maybe true. Was I paying as much attention to my environment as I could? Like we were just doing a trip to New York City recently, and I'll tell you, there's a lot of people there. 
my family was out there, my wife, Lola, my son, Val and I, and we walked a lot. <laughs> you know, our steps were up, man. Uh, my, our iPhones were buzzing with how healthy we got because of so many steps. And when we were making all these steps all through the city, there were people everywhere. Now, do we get bumped into here and there? Yeah. But I'll bet you, I didn't get bumped into that much. And part of it was we're paying attention. So the more I found, the more I paid attention to the, my environment, and I looked up and I wasn't on my phone and I was seeing where people were going. Yeah. Maybe someone was about to run into me, but I could just as easily step to the right as they could step to their right. So sometimes people paid attention and they moved around a little bit and avoided a bump. And sometimes I paid attention and moved around. I found that the more I took cause for my walk in New York city, the less I got bumped into Essentially, you follow me on this, the, the, the more I got the result that I want, which was a nice, peaceful walk, the more I was happy. So the formula is very simple. The more cause you can find for a particular outcome or effect in your life, the greater your happiness is going to be because you have more personal responsibility and control. So play the game, play the game. Every, the next time you have an outcome or an effect in your life and your business that is not what you want, play the game of, okay, I know it's whoever's or whatever's fault, but instead of saying whose fault it is, just play the game of how much responsibility can I find for myself? I'm not talking about beating yourself up and saying it's all my fault. Woe is me. I'm a terrible person. No, but you do want to play the game of finding out how much cause you can take. Because look, with that pen metaphor, man, if I, if I could hold my pen a little tighter, maybe who chose to hold the pen while I walked around? What if I just put the pen in my pocket? Now, the cool thing is this. I'm in charge, right? I'm in control of my destiny. I'm in control of my outcomes. And it's a silly little thing like a pen, but you can do that for everything. If the pen's in my pocket, now a million people could bump into me and it'll never drop to the ground. I know it's always taken care of. How about this? If you're a parent, you ever had a, a cracked uh, cell phone, and maybe it was a cracked cell phone that a child dropped. Hmm. I'm just gonna ask you one simple question. I know it's a child's fault. They dropped it. Who chose the case or non-case for the phone? Who chose to give the phone to the kid? Like I have no problem looking at my son and saying, I love you, son, but no, you can't hold my phone while we walk around or at the restaurant or over this, uh, <laughs> you know, stone floor. I, I just tell him, sorry, not here. And I have no problem doing that. Um, I don't feel guilty. I don't do it mean. But shockingly, I've never cracked my phone or I've never had my son crack a phone ever in our entire uh, life. Never happened. Now, he has a little iPad that's a pretty old iPad at this point, maybe five years old or something. And we've, you know, he's dropped it a zillion times and all over the place. But of course, what happened when we got a, an iPad for a young kid? Well, we got that, what's that called? The OtterBox, like super uber duber case. We put that on. It lives in there. So again, it's just another example of how do you find a way to put more cause into your internal self and less cause on external people and events? I promise you, you'll be a lot happier uh, and you'll get more done for sure. The, la uh, the second thing I want to share is a concept that actually comes from Carl Jung called perception is projection. Now, this is again back to taking responsibility, really. <clears throat> Excuse me. When you're taking responsibility, looking out how I perceive the world and how I perceive people, Carl Jung would say, I'm more likely to experience that which I expect. 
So if I've had a bunch of broken relationships and everyone lied to me and I meet a new person and I think, oh, this person seems nice, I'm more likely to experience that person being dishonest because I expect it. So my perception is maybe this particular type of person, uh, you know, men or women are less trustworthy because that's my experience. It's not true, but you know, let's just say. So therefore what I'm going to do is I'll project that on people. And is it true that sometimes someone isn't trustworthy? Sure. They might lie. Sometimes they might tell the truth, but what about the gray zone? What about the time when someone maybe forgets something and they remember it later? Well, if my perception is that women are liars, chances are that I'm going to project that on them. And you know, when they forgot to tell me, Oh, that's right. That was, you know, I'm sorry. Yeah. I was there that night. I go, what? See, here's another example of women acting this way or men being this way or whatever. Responsibility is getting in control of your perceptions. The more you can begin to look around and, and have an understanding of what, how you actually perceive the world. What's the narrative you tell? What's the story you tell about people and about the world? You know, everyone has a story. Everyone has what we'd call a narrative um, that is, if life was a play, this is the storyline and the narrative that you think. Is the play, like, is life a tragedy? Is it a Romeo and Juliet story that you know is going to end in heartache? Is it a comedy? Is it a horror flick? Is it a war documentary? Right? And a lot of people, especially in the political landscape, they're, they're looking out and the narrative that's being told is there's oppressed and the oppressors. And basically you're either one of the people who's disadvantaged and needs a hand up, or you're a person who's keeping people down. And that's a very limiting narrative. It's a very limiting perception because one of the things that forces you to do, and I just don't think it's true at all, uh, not even a little bit. That means that every single person who is a capitalist, every single person who is in business is attempting to oppress people and not do the right thing. And that's just not true. And equally, it says that everyone who is disadvantaged is is disadvantaged because someone is oppressing them and keeping them down. Now, again, don't jump all over me quite yet. Is it true that there are some people that are disadvantaged because of oppression? Certainly. And is it true that some people in power abuse that? Certainly. I'm not arguing that. But if you have the perception of black and white, there's only one option. You're one or the other. It's us and it's them. It's a very dangerous narrative to live your life. It's certainly going to be a lot harder to find happiness and real happiness because you're living a life that you think you're, you're in the middle of a war and you might be, you know, a very small percentage of you listening right now, maybe physically like in a war, maybe you're listening to this and you're deployed somewhere. And, and, and first off, I mean, hats off to you. Thank you so much for your sacrifice and what you're doing. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the people who are acting as if it's a war, but really they're just mad about the restaurant down the street or how much the city trash service costs or whatever the case may be. So again, I, I'm not trying to say to anyone right now that how you think is right or wrong. Cause the truth is if you're getting upset at me, you don't, I'm not, I don't know how you think. So I'm, I'm not saying that you're thinking a certain way. I'm just bringing out a principle and the principle is perception is projection. The principle is what you perceive and how the narrative you tell, you are more likely in your own subjective reality to find examples of those things. Is the economy good right now? Yeah. Is there also places where the economy is bad? Yeah. So which one's true? <laughs> well, the choice is they're both true. 
But what you focus on and what you believe is true, you'll most likely, your subconscious mind will begin to sort for that information. It's going to sort for and find more reference points and more facts that support the thing that you see and the, and the, uh, the narrative you tell. And you might delete, subconsciously I'm saying, you'll delete and not notice and pick up on some of the other facts because they don't support the narrative. So my encouragement for you, because this is a positive uplifting show for sure, my encouragement is really get curious, right? Don't, don't fight it, don't change it. Just get curious about what your perceptions may be and get curious if you might be projecting that uh, on someone or something or the world. And the more in control and aware you can become of your perceptions, the more you can shift the things that need to shift. So ultimately they'll lead you to having more happiness. Um, that's number two. And the last one, this is real quick. Last principle for personal responsibility being everything is starting small. If you've had, if, if this is a revelation to you and you're just thinking, man, like I get it. And I didn't realize I wasn't really taking personal responsibility for my situations. Um, that's a tough one. You know, if, if, if you're in a place where you're not doing a lot for yourself and especially if you, um, you know, I had, um, since my brother passed away a few years back, but for 16 years from the age of 20 to 36, before he passed, he was severely disabled. He got in a car accident at 20 and he was a triplegic, meaning he could use his left arm fully but his right arm and his legs were not paralyzed, but from a, a stroke and a brain trauma, they were severely uh, handicapped and he didn't have almost any, he had about 90% control loss in those limbs. So I watched my sibling, my one brother, really go through this thing right here. And you'll see this a lot in, uh, in, in a disability situation where if you want to find happiness, you need to find a way to bring in more personal responsibility. So what do you do? Well, it's very simple. Um, when you look at someone who's disabled, who's elderly, who, um, and this is the same for children who are learning, right? Not even learning disabled, just fully intelligent. Uh, well, that's the wrong way to say that fully, um, functional, um, uh, children that are in school or they're, they're going through, um, whatever, you know what I'm trying to say. They're, they're doing the homework and they're learning a new concept. What we want to do as a caretaker or as a parent is give this person, this individual, as much personal responsibility, autonomy, and challenge as possible. It's counterintuitive to what feels right. Because if somebody's, like when my brother was first getting out of the, he went to the hospital and then he was in a um, assisted living for quite a while. And when he came home at first, it's so hard to watch while he has one good hand, try to tie his shoes, bending over in a wheelchair with one hand and watch him struggle and drop the lace and drop the lace and drop the lace. What happens is there's some tasks that it'll be a lot harder for him than it would be for me, but he can do them. And the, the current and kind of caretaking philosophy right now, and I certainly agree with this with parenting. I agree with this with employment, leadership, uh, 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 management and companies. It really is a principle that I can't see a context where it doesn't fit. To give empowerment and ultimately happiness in the culture with the person, you want to empower them by giving them as much responsibility as possible, but starting small. So if he can tie his shoes, but it takes him 10 minutes, I want to let him tie his shoes rather than stopping and going, here, let me do that for you. But there's other things that he couldn't do. Like early on, he couldn't move from the wheelchair, maybe to the bathroom completely on his own safely. So 
I would always let him do as much as he could and help him only where he needs. And we, you know, I'd pick him up and we'd go out for, uh, for lunch together, go get haircuts together, go shopping together. And when I would do that, um, always, it was like, whatever you can do, I'm going to let you do. And whatever you can do with a struggle, I'll still let you do as long as time permits. Every now and again, I'd say, sorry, buddy, we're running late. And I pick him up and shove him in the car. <laughs> but if we weren't running late, then I just say, okay, I'll meet you over there. And I wouldn't go over to his side and wait for him right? Because it's easy for me to open a door than he, you get the idea. So I just walk right over to my side and get in the car or I walk over to my side, start the car. Maybe I'd, I'd put the wheelchair in the trunk, but I, I'd wait for him and I'd let him do his thing. And he'd get and wheel to the one side and open up the car door with his left hand, which was a little bit awkward. And then he would hold it open and then push himself back with his feet a little bit to make clearance and then open the door the rest of the way. And then he would wheel himself over, get a hold of the things, move his feet in. And it was this whole process that took two or three minutes, maybe. But that little thing gave him so much responsibility and ultimately independence, autonomy, and it made for a happier life. So it's counterintuitive that when someone has something they struggle with, if you do it for them, it'll be easier. It's the worst thing you could do in almost every situation. I'm sure there's an exception, but almost every situation, it's one of the worst things you could do. The best way is to give them as much autonomy as possible. And look, now that was for other people. Now I'm going to talk to you. If you're not in that scenario and you feel like your life is out of control, you feel like things just aren't working for you, you can't find a job, um, you're living in with your parents and you know you want to move out, um, but it hasn't quite happened yet. Like, man, I get it. You know, there was a time in my life when... I had lost everything. Um, I'm in my late 20s and I was living in my friend's trailer in his driveway, not my trailer, not my driveway. It was a brutal time period there where I just didn't have anything. But what I found is the most important thing I could do was take personal responsibility for the littlest things in my situation. So even though I was living in a borrowed little tiny camper trailer in a driveway, I still got up in the morning and I made my, I started making my bed and I realized at first, and this is how it came to me, um, I, I, you know, I go about my day and I just kind of hang out and I do what I did because there wasn't really a lot of work and I wasn't, you know, like life wasn't great according to me at the time. And I come back to my trailer and it was a mess. And it's like, there was, you know, there's dishes and, and there's, you know, an empty soda can or, and there's, you know, and then my bed's a mess. And I looked and I was like, I don't want to live here. But then it struck me. I was like, you know what? This is my place. At least for right now, this is mine. And I took some responsibility over my space and I threw the stuff away. So, you know, uh, it's like if your room's messy, clean your room. When you wake up in the morning, if you're not feeling motivated, get up and make your bed. Just make your bed. Clean your room. Like that's starting small. You don't need to clean the whole house and fix everything. You know, if you have that, that, that squeaky door in the hallway that's been bugging you and you haven't fixed it for nine months, just drop everything. Go to Ace Hardware, or Home Depot or whatever, pick up a $3 thing, a WD-40 or, you know, and come back and fix the dang door. You'd be shocked when you take responsibility instead of going, oh, this old house. Oh yeah, another thing's wrong with the house. Quit blaming the house. Take personal responsibility, fix the squeak in the door. Make your bed, clean your room, do the dishes and get them out of the way. Walk in your house to a clean sink. You'll be shocked at how much more productive you'll become, how much more motivated and inspired you'll feel to do things. And ultimately, it's like you'll just feel happier, sometimes even with less. So that's my encouragement for you today is, again, 
Number one is take more cause, not being at the effect. Don't blame things outside yourself. Number two, get aware of your perceptions because they are and can be projection. And number three is start small, make your bed. That's it for today. Uh, make sure you check out again. We're going to do our final two, um, our final series. Uh, <laughs> easy for me to say. <laughs> We're going to do our final episode in the six part series next Tuesday. And that is going to be on uh, called stability versus variety. Ooh, that'll be a lot of fun. What to do when you don't have one or the other and how that leads to happiness. So make sure you tune in. That'll be our final two uh, episode a week format on, and then Friday will be, yeah, that'll be Tuesday. And then a couple of days later, we'll have our first interview of the new year. First interview of 2020. Can't wait to drop that for you. And then we'll be going to our once a week, every Friday format. So you can know exactly what to expect. Get excited. It'll drop Thursday at midnight, Friday morning for you, for your commuter for the weekend. Let's get out there and crush it together in 2020. 